Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. <clears throat> Folks, uh, today's episode is a hard one for me to record. This past week, one of my heroes, a man I grew up with, listening to on a daily basis, learning from and laughing with, has passed away due to complications from lung cancer. Rush Limbaugh, the father of modern conservatism, passed away on the morning of February 17, 2021, at the age of 70. He battled stage 4 lung cancer for over a year, all the while still trying to inform his audience about the dangers of liberalism. The man who single-handedly saved AM radio from extinction in the late 80s, and the man who almost always, every day, led off with these words, with half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. I honestly can't recall the first time I heard Rush on the radio. All I know is that I've listened to him for as long as I can remember. (laughs) My dad would listen to Rush as much as possible. Unfortunately, he never had access to Rush 24-7. If he did, you can bet he would have listened to him a lot more. All the time I was learning how to drive, if Rush was on, that's what my dad and I would listen to. It was some of the best times of my life, both of us yelling at the radio when some liberal idiot would say something really outrageous. Not difference of opinion, mind you. Just something really dumb. Stuff like what we've heard in the last um, couple of months when the congressman who was appointed to say the prayer to end the opening session of uh, the new Congress said, Amen and a woman. Oh my gosh, how stupid. My dad would have blown a gasket yelling at how stupid that sounded. And Rush, I'm sure, did also. I don't remember if he actually was able to be on air when that occurred or not. Um, He was less frequent on the radio as the last couple of weeks went by in late January and early February. Um, But that is the type of stuff I'm talking about. Nothing to do with politics, just something so stupid. That's the type of stuff my dad and I would both be yelling at. So, um, like I said, it's not the difference of what the uh, liberals stand for, what the conservatives stand for. It was something when it was so stupid. And he would go after when a Republican would say something stupid also. But that that's the type of stuff that I'm trying to talk about here. Uh, now, to be honest, there were times when I didn't really like what Rush had to say. That might sound shocking to some of you. But there were at times when he would make a point I didn't care for, or if he let a caller drone on and on. But the one I did not understand for such a long time was his catchphrase, with talent on loan from God. He always said it in that haughty way, and it used to drive me nuts. It wasn't until I had a good chat with a buddy of mine that the topic came up. And he told me that the way Rush said it was deliberately to drive the liberal Democrats bonkers. And it dawned on me. I was like, 
ah, that makes a lot more sense. And then over the next few years, I would hear Rush talking about it every once in a while. And he made sure to emphasize this during his battle with cancer. But I remember hearing him say it uh, multiple times before that. Um, And his talent was on loan from God. He wouldn't be joking at that point. And he said that there would be a time when that talent would be returned. And we're now living in that time. Um, His gift of communication was so powerful. God blessed him with the ability to know and understand radio in ways that probably no one ever will again. And he jumped headfirst into an unknown venture at the time of AM radio. AM radio was on the brink of extinction. There was, I think, if I remember hearing from um, a lot of his longtime colleagues, um, that they said that AM radio was down to only a couple hundred stations at that point in the late 80s. Rush came on, and now there are over 600 stations alone carrying Rush's program and over 6,000 radio stations. So Rush single-handedly saved AM radio. That is why his talent was from God. And I have no doubt in my mind when he said that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that it was very special. And that's why he didn't talk about it too much. The main reason why he didn't talk about it that much was because he said his program was not about Christian morals and beliefs. It was about politics. Now, while he was a Christian and held those beliefs, his goal was to bring the truth about Washington and uh, state governments and the dangers of liberalism and the values of capitalism. And... That's why he was so poignant. Now, his brother David Limbaugh is a well-renowned author of many discipleship books, and I am certain that the two of them had many long talks about Christ and the Bible and different biblical aspects. Now, there were times when I would wonder if Rush truly was a Christian, but as I said before, there is no doubt in my mind now that he truly was. Something else Rush used to say that thrilled his entire audience was having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. He loved what he did. You could tell how passionate he was for it. And when he got diagnosed with the dreaded disease, he could have retired and lived out his days with his beloved wife, Catherine, visiting places he loved. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to spend as much time as he could with his audience. He had wonderful guest hosts over the years. And they were always willing to fill in. And they always said it was a true honor for them to fill in for Rush Limbaugh. But when you think about it, he wanted to spend time with us, his audience. Because he loved his audience in ways that 
none of us probably truly appreciate it. There were times when we would just take it for granted. Oh, Rush Limbaugh is on 12 to 3, and he'll be talking about whatever politics happen of the day. So some of us could have taken that for granted, but he never did. And especially in his last year, he never took that for granted. When he was feeling good, he was behind that golden EIB microphone helping people know and understand. And I I felt very sad when he said that he thought he had failed. Because so many people still voted for Joe Biden and the Democrats. And he felt like he had failed. And I heard so many people call in saying, Rush, you did not fail. You have saved so many people from the lies of liberalism. And you could hear in his voice how very appreciative he was of that. And it also showed how humble he was. He wasn't haughty like, I failed and I can't get these people to see my way or anything. No, he's like, if I could have just gotten one more person to see what the dangers of liberalism are, how Marxist communism is seeping in through liberalism. He always sounded like he regretted not being able to share that, but it was like he did. He he emphasized it so so perfectly. Sometimes it was hard for people to understand, but he always found a way to make it sound straightforward. Um, So like I said, he had many guest hosts over the years, but one in particular lasted the tests of time, and that was Mark Stein, a Canadian-born but true red, white, and blue American patriot now. Mark Stein has been a guest host for Rush for over 15 years. And I'm sure that if you want to hear how Mark first heard Rush, you can go and watch his interview with Tucker Carlson on YouTube. And he'll explain how he was in the middle of nowhere. And he heard this voice come on the staticky radio. And it was Rush Limbaugh. Um, And he was a devoted listener from then on. He was... Always a great fill-in host. It almost got to the point where sometimes you're like, is this now the Mark Stein show? Because of how sometimes Rush was either on vacation or he was feeling ill for a couple of days and they would bring in Mark Stein. And he would just fill in for Rush. And it would be almost verbatim. They'd talk about the exact same things, naturally. But um, they had the same conclusions Some of the guest hosts had different conclusions, but Mark Stein usually had the exact same conclusion that Rush would come to, and that is why I feel like he endured the test of time of being a fill-in host for Rush. And when Rush got his diagnosis, Mark Stein was the first guest host to fill in for him, and he filled in for him on the first Friday without rush and that was that was nice to know that rush was gonna had such a good relationship with him and he was also there for 
Rush's last day. And I remember hearing him say on the radio that people just wanted to hear Rush's voice. They knew that he was sick. They knew because he had been off the air for almost two weeks at that point. His last Rush's last show was February 2nd. And I remember hearing in Rush's voice, I'm like, man, he sounds a little, sounds just a little rough. I'm, I'll, I'll bet you he's going to take the next couple of days off. And sure enough, he, he did. And that, that was the last day any of us got to hear Rush live on the radio was February 2nd. Um, it is very hard to hear. And when you think back, it's hard to know that you got to hear Rush's last broadcast. But uh, getting back to Mark Stein's fill-in for Rush on his last day, um, he, he kept on getting emails from people asking they that they just wanted to hear Rush again. And I was right there with him. I had not heard Rush in two weeks. And I was like, I, I need to hear from Rush just because he's got this connection with all of us. And Mark Stein knew that, and he felt the exact same way. So he played in the opening monologue a segment of Rush that he had done over a year ago, or close to a year ago, about Andrew Cuomo and his failure at the coronavirus pandemic. And the reason why is because now all of a sudden, in the last couple of weeks, the Democrats have turned on Andrew Cuomo. They have now turned and said that we need to investigate why you let so many more sick people go back to the nursing homes and infect nursing homes with COVID and maybe you're not as good a guy as we thought. Rush called this over a year ago and Mark Stein played an excerpt explaining that to the audience. And so Mark Stein understood why everyone loved Rush. And it, it I think, really warms the audience's hearts when they know that while Rush passed away on Wednesday, we got to hear from him on Tuesday. Even though if it was an old clip, we still got to hear from Rush. And Mark Stein will forever be probably the greatest fill-in host for Rush. Even if that was the only reason why. I believe that is a key in Rush's legacy is having such a good friend in Mark Stein. But <clears throat> his other guest hosts um, were Todd Herman from Seattle and Ken Matthews from Pennsylvania. And both those guys were some of his best guest hosts. Um, Todd Herman almost always started off with, this is a beautiful day that the Lord has made. And I loved hearing that he was an unapologetic Christian. And when he filled in Wednesday 
after hearing after the announcement that uh, actually he filled in on Thursday and I could hear in his voice how much he missed Rush already. All of us miss Rush. But Todd Herman was very generous and I loved what he had to say about Rush. Rush had a close friendship with people, even if he had never met them directly. He had a close friendship because they had grown up for 33 years listening to him on the radio. Um, now, Ken Matthews, also fantastic broadcaster. He would always have great insight and... Since he came from Pennsylvania, it was a um, war-torn state on politics. And so he felt the brunt of some of the nonsense that's been happening in Pennsylvania. Um, but he always was there for Rush. I remember there was a time, I think, two summers ago, that Rush had a printer malfunction and everyone's like, okay rush is uh gonna be on and then you hear filling in for rush limbaugh ken matthews I'm like oh what what happened to rush and he said rush is having some technical difficulties he might be on within the next half hour or the next hour so don't turn the dial just because it's a uh fill-in host rush may come back now rush Ended up taking the whole day off, but uh, turns out that a printer of his had malfunctioned and he wasn't able to print anything. And he's like, he needed to have physical copies of whatever he was reading. So Ken Matthews was gracious enough to, at the last minute, I mean, this happened half an hour or less before the broadcast was to start, and Ken Matthews. Pitched in. He's like, I'll, I'll gladly help you out. So that's always um, held a special moment in my heart for Ken Matthews as a guest host. Other notable guest hosts for Russia over the years were Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Buck Sexton, and Roger Hedgecock. All of them went on to become national-level broadcasters. Their careers at Fox, The Blaze, and Podcasts would not exist if it had not been for Rush. The main difference between them and Rush was that he was the first and remained at the top his entire career. From listening to their tributes to the Maha, none of them would disagree with me when I say they pale in comparison to Rush. For there's no one else who could match his wit and style. Some have tried, but no one has ever succeeded. Podcasting, I just mentioned a second ago, it was more or less basically created by Rush Limbaugh. He knew that a lot of people, the working class of America, the backbone of our society, were typically working during the time of his broadcast. So he decided to start releasing segments of his show to the public and then full hours of the show on MP3. Ben Shapiro of The Daily Wire said his company would not exist if it had not been for Rush Limbaugh. So everyone who is hosting a podcast or involved in it some way, no matter their political views or what their podcast is about, 
Every single one owes a debt of gratitude to Rush Limbaugh. Rush himself, he wouldn't he wouldn't see it that way. He he was extremely humble. His tone on the radio didn't always match his personal life. I heard him say that he loved living quietly at home, playing with his cats, or going golfing and enjoying a cigar. And that reminds me of a story he told about two years ago. And he was going to go golfing with some friends, but they got sick and weren't um, and they weren't able to make it. So Rush went out with his caddy and played 27 holes in just a few hours, and he loved it. But the rest of the story is better told in his own words. Now, he didn't want to talk about this on the radio, but Mr. Snurdly, his um, call screener, said, you need to talk about what you did this past weekend. So I'd like to share with you in Rush's own words how he described his great golfing weekend. Number 17 at the course I played is a par 5, a 500-yard par 5. And the second shot, if you hit a decent enough drive, you have to get it over some pretty tall trees. If you have any prayer at all of it, either going for the green or getting close to it. Otherwise, you have to go around those trees and there's no way you can get on the green in two. But your drive has to be perfectly placed, which mine was. It was about 290 yards. I had a little uphill lie after it was all over, following wind that helped the drive. So I grabbed my Hybrid 3, the rescue version of a 3-iron. I've got a 213 yards to the pin. I've got these two trees. They're not tiny, I mean. They're not sky high, but you've got to have the club that's going to get you over those trees. Normally a 3-iron, 5-iron, 6-iron, unless you know what you're doing. You're not going to be able to get over them. You can't get there. I couldn't with anything less than a 4-iron. So I grabbed the Rescue 3, the Hybrid 3. I made sure it in the backswing to get the club up. I flushed it. I flushed it. And had a perfect right to the left draw curve for those of you in Rio Linda. And as I'm watching, I flushed it, folks. There's nothing. You flush a golf right in the middle of the club face. It just feels almost orgasmic. I'm watching it and I'm watching it and I say, darn it, it's drawing too much. It's going to end up maybe pin high, but the left and maybe in a bunker. So I give up looking at it. The caddy says, Oh my God, oh my God, it could have gone in. It could have gone in. I said, no, no, it's way too far to the left. So we get up there and we're looking for the ball. We look beyond the green, can't find it. We look to the right of the green, which trails off into the water. We can't find it there. We look for it everywhere. Is it short? We went back 50 yards, couldn't find it. The caddy says, it's got to be in there. It's got to be in. So he walks up to the cup peers down into the cup and looks up in frustration and puts his hands on his hips. It's in there, he said. It's in there. You hold it. So I had a double eagle from 213 yards with a hybrid three. I've got the picture pulling the ball out of the cup. I've got a picture of the ball in the cup with the Rush EIB on it. Titleist number 30 for 30 years broadcast anniversary. And I'm told that never in the history of this course has there ever been a double eagle 213 yards. It hit, we found the ball, it hit about five yards short of the green on the left and kicked to the right and rolled almost the length of the green. The cup was on the way back of the green. It rolled almost the length of the green to get back to the hole. By the way, folks, one thing about my double eagle, in the official world of golf, it never happened because there's no witnesses. If you hit a hole-in-one and it's just you playing by yourself and you tell people you had a hole-in-one, they'll say, fine and dandy. But it doesn't go in any book. It doesn't count. 
because there aren't any witnesses. You have to be playing in a threesome or foursome where everybody sees it. It's the same thing here with a shot like a double eagle. The caddy and I saw it. It happened, but in the world of golf, it didn't happen because there are no witnesses. And since people are people and lie about and make things up, you have to discount it. But it doesn't matter to me. It happened, I did it, and I had a great time telling you about it. But it won't count for anything. Like the club where it happened will make no official mention of it because it hasn't been witnessed, hasn't been confirmed. That was Rush talking about one of his greatest times he's ever played a game of golf. But I have to disagree with him on something. I think the golf course where he played that round will now more than happily display the fact that Rush got a double eagle on a par 5. Even if in the world of golf it doesn't officially count. I believe that people would flock to that golf course to see the picture of Rush pulling the golf ball out of the hole. Just because that was one of his greatest memories. Rush was also a patriot of the truest kind. He loved history and the founding of this country so much, and that's why he loved to talk about it on his program. But he was worried about the upcoming generations. He knew that the education system was deliberately misinterpreting American history, trying to throw shade against some of the greatest Americans. And that's when his beloved wife Catherine stepped in and suggested to him writing about our country's founding in an easy-to-understand way. Rush loved the idea, and the Rush Revere saga was born. Without Catherine, the Rush Revere books would never have happened. So while we owe a debt of gratitude to Rush for writing them, it is without a doubt that we owe Catherine a huge debt as well. The Rush Revere books are for all ages. Even though they are aimed for the young middle schoolers, they are for all ages. I am a testament to that. (laughs) Um, So... When I heard that he was writing them, I was excited. And then I happened to find a couple in a bargain bookshop and snatched them up. Be, and the, Now, they only had the first two books, but I snatched them up anyway. Um, and I instantly fell in love with the story and its characters. Rush Revere is a middle school substitute history teacher who loves teaching history in a fun way. That way was with his horse, Liberty. He is not your ordinary horse. He is a time-traveling horse who can take Rush back in time to any period of American history. He is also a total goofball (laughs) and will make you bust your sides from laughing so hard. I remember um, when I was reading the third book, I was sitting in my local Barnes & Noble. And I was trying so hard to stifle my laughter reading Liberty's antics. I, I, I literally was sometimes having to put the book down and just catch my breath so I could breathe without making a ruckus and a scene because I was just enjoying those books so much. Um, And I truly wish that my dad would have gotten the chance to read them because he would have loved them just as much as I do. And... Whenever Rush got a call from a kid or a parent who was calling about the Rush Revere series, he would make it a priority to answer that call. He loved it when kids would tell them how much they enjoyed learning about history from the Rush Revere series, and every kid would always say that Liberty was their favorite. In writing those books, I feel like Rush endeared himself to future generations permanently. 
Now, while a lot of leftists and celebrities hated Rush for his views, I think it was because they didn't understand him. And when you hear how those same celebrities despise and trash some of the country's founders because of some of their faults, it's not surprising they hated Rush. And while you hear about all the negative things they're saying about Rush after his death, I'll bet you they don't know the first thing about him. Like the fact that he donated millions of his own money to fund leukemia research. That he constantly gave away to children copies of his Rush Revere books and the goodies that went along with them. How he also donated millions to the Marine Corps and Law Enforcement Foundation. And my favorite was his creation of the Stand Up for Betsy Ross shirt. His creation of the shirt came about after Nike, in honor of July 4th, 2019, decided to put on their latest pair of sneakers, the Betsy Ross flag. But before they even hit the market, they axed it because one of their spokesmen, the former quarterback of the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, a total jackass who hates America but not enough to leave it, objected to it proving that he hated America and wasn't just protesting the so-called police violence. Anyway, Rush asked his wife Catherine, who ran the Rush Limbaugh show store, how quickly they could create a shirt honoring Betsy Ross. He asked her on July 4th, which happened to be on a Thursday, and by Monday, July 8th, they had it and it was stocked and ready to sell. Now, every penny they made on those shirts went to the Tunnels for Towers Foundation. And that foundation helps pay mortgages of families who have lost heads of households and or first responders who lost their lives in the 9-11 attacks and the war on terror. And by early December, they had raised more than $5 million to Tunnels for Towers. They had been able to pay off over 15 mortgages for people. And yet, these same moronic celebrities who are always saying, we need to give back to the community, trash Rush, despite the fact that he helped 9-11 victims. Despite the fact that he helped wounded warriors. That, to me, proves they don't know the first thing about Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, he can be bombastic, but when they don't even look up to see how many families he's helped over his lifetime, that is disgraceful and they should be ashamed of themselves. So he raised over $5 million in less than six months, less than five months. And every penny went to the Tunnels for Towers. He didn't make a dime off of those shirts. How incredible is that? And when you look about it, Rush stood up for women when women wouldn't even do it. All of this stemmed from Rush defending the woman who created the first flag, Betsy Ross. Modern day women won't even acknowledge her, let alone salute Rush for creating that shirt and donating all proceeds to charity. So, like I said, these people who are trashing on Rush after he has passed away don't know the first thing and will never understand Rush. All they spew out is that Rush was a racist, homophobe, sexist, when in truth, they themselves are. They themselves are the true racists, are the true homophobes, are the true sexists. They will never understand 
Rush. There's so much more you can say about Rush that it cannot be done in one episode. I want to close out with this. There are only two other people I know of in recent history that were able to keep an audience for such a long period of time and, in fact, grow their audience that lasted from generation to generation and beyond. And those men were Johnny Carson and John Wayne. Carson was the greatest late-night host in TV history. Even today, they rebroadcast his shows, and people find them far more entertaining than the current shows on late night. He had the respect of millions when he retired after being on the air for over 30 years. John Wayne was similar. His career spanned five decades, and he too endeared himself to millions of Americans as a rough, tough-as-nails, God-fearing American patriot. Even though he's been gone for over 40 years, John Wayne still has a captivated audience who introduced his movies to their kids in turn. I myself am a testament of that. Rush, I feel, was that kind of guy. He was down to earth, loved to share why he loved this country. We get to call home, and it resonated with so many people that they loved him for it. He spoke their lingo when the politicians wouldn't. I can't imagine what my life would look like without Rush being a stapled part of it. From 12 to 3, Rush would be on air, and I would be listening as much as I could. To millions of people... We've lost a true friend, a father figure, beloved uncle, and hero. And sometimes when he had a break for a commercial, they would play, depending on what station you were listening to, this little segment, this little sentence that some caller said to him, In every corner of the world, your name is a household name. So... In honor of Rush, I would like to give one last little tribute while in the background Rush's opening theme plays. And I just hope that what I've shared with you today will make you want to go and read the Rush Revere books, find interviews of Rush on Fox News, or... Find old clips of his old TV show and just learn from a man who loved his country with every fiber of his being. A man who, while flawed, lived the greatest life he could have ever had. Rest easy now, Rush. Your legacy will never fade. You've carried the torch for us for over 30 years, and we will continue to carry the torch for you and fight the fight of preserving American liberty to the bitter end. Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. Thank you for listening to the Snowman Podcast. 
please subscribe and download so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify. Until next time, this is Snowman. I'll see you now, yeah.